Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of design, building, and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. Today, my co-host on the show is Ethan Young. How are you doing today, Ethan? I'm doing good today, Todd. How about you? You know, I got to confess, I've had kind of a tough week. Um, mm, sorry to hear it. Yeah, my, my wife found out I was cheating on her after she found a oh. bunch of letters I had hidden away. Okay. She's never going to play Scrabble with me again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So another that's good. one. That's yeah. Yeah. You, you get two. Two for the price of one today. How's sweet. That? Sweet. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was I was in an antique store the other day. Don't go to those very often. But back in the corner there was this this huge wardrobe, and there was this guy back there just furiously working. He was stuffing a lion and a witch into oh, the wardrobe, <laughs> and I said. I said, what are you doing? He said, what are you up to? He said, just move along, buddy. It's Narnia business. Oh, my gosh. That is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hey, you know, maybe we should just move on with the store. Show. Actually, I do have something I want to share, though. So um, on on a bit more of an industry note, yesterday I attended a webinar um, that was part of a series put out by Qualified Remodeler Magazine. And I'll tell you, these are fantastic. I think they do them either twice a year, maybe quarterly. And they feature um, John Burns Research and Consulting. Um, Now, by the time this show airs, I know that this webinar is going to be available on YouTube. And um, what we'll do is we will try to remember and uh, put it in the show notes. But uh, we also will have a link to the webinar as soon as it's up on our Construction Disruption LinkedIn page. Um, so I encourage everybody, check out our Construction Disruption LinkedIn page and subscribe to that because we're always bringing additional information uh, there as well. And I encourage anyone, if you're involved in remodeling or really any type of construction, um, you ought to check out what uh, these folks at John Burns Research and Consulting are saying. Um, Ethan, you probably probably remember one of our guests almost a couple years ago, hard to believe, was a gentleman by the name of Eric Finnegan, uh, who works for John Burns. And um, great show, great guest. Um, Need to make a note and have him back sometime. But he led most of the webinar yesterday. And there was so much great information, and I just want to add a few, uh, share a few details here. And and what Eric really researches for John Burns is the residential remodeling industry, and he just always has great insight, I think. So um, here are a few of the high-level takeaways I kind of got from the webinar yesterday I'd like to share. Um, so it was interesting. He said that interest in and contracts – for major, I mean, like large-scale, high-end home improvement projects are really slowing down for 2023. And I'd have to say that we're hearing that from some of the contractors we talk with as well. Um, And what he said was that a lot of the remodeling projects that will be wrapping out, you know, finished out through the rest of 2023 will be smaller projects. 
typically more non-discretionary projects. I mean, like replacement projects, things that you got to get done when you got to get them done, which certainly roofing can be a part of that. Um, but on the other hand, what he was saying about, you know, maybe not a lot of high-end projects um, does make you wonder a little bit about uh, higher-end metal roofs and things that we're involved uh, in. Um, another thing he shared was that um, remodeling projects are going to be done less by people who have moved into new homes. And that was something that we saw a lot during COVID 2021, 2022, was a lot of folks were buying new homes and then immediately doing remodeling of them. And he said there's going to be less of that. And instead, a lot of the remodeling projects will be by people who are just staying in place in their existing home and, you know, maybe upgrading or, like I said, maybe just doing those maintenance replacement product things that need to be done uh, every once in a while. Now, the thing he still pointed out, though, was that, you know, even with home values coming down a little bit here recently, um, there is still more equity held out there by homeowners um, than we have ever seen before. In fact, he put a figure up that just kind of blew my mind. He said the average home equity held by a homeowner is over $300,000, um, which just kind of blew my mind because I'm thinking that's more than the value of my house. So, But, you know, when you think about some of these markets, um, Southern California and so forth, where home values are a million, million and a half, two million is, is kind of the norm, kind of makes sense that some of those equity numbers have really climbed along with home values um, going up. Um, but... So despite him saying, hey, the end of 2023 may be a little soft for remodeling, um, he then wrapped up and, and was extremely optimistic about 2024 and beyond. And, you know, he's not quite sure exactly when this will kick in in 2024, but um, he says that that's going to start one of the strongest uh, home improvement booms we have ever seen. Um, again, he's got lots of details We'll start sharing as soon as this uh, webinar is up, um, public and uh, free on YouTube. But um, some of the geographic areas, he said, would be really strong. Kind of surprised me. He pointed to the Pacific Northwest as being a real strong remodeling area coming up. Um, he also mentioned the South Central, Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, surrounding states. And he mentioned our own Midwest, one of the softer areas. Um, was the Northeast New England states, which the last few years has been one of the stronger areas for home improvements. So that kind of surprised me. Um, he also noted that the available federal tax credits uh, that just uh, came out this year um, are going to help drive demand for energy-efficient home improvements, and he sees those as having an impact on the overall home improvement market. Um, here's another thing he said that I thought was kind of interesting. I know I'm just blabbering on, guys, but um, he said that there's going to be more of a trend toward home improvement projects where the homeowner will hire a professional, um, but then they will also maybe do part of the project alongside the professional. So an example, you may hire somebody to build a new room, but maybe you do the painting or maybe you even do the drywall finishing um, and I thought that was really interesting. And when you think about it, 
it kind of makes a lot of sense for the contractor because they're dealing with labor shortages. So if they can take some of those easier tasks and pass them off to the homeowner, homeowner saves money, has that satisfaction of being involved. Um, I thought that was really interesting. So anyway. I thought it was good stuff. So again, um, check it out on our Construction Disruption LinkedIn page. Um, we'll post there as, as soon as this full webinar is up uh, on YouTube. But uh, I encourage everybody um, who's interested in this, check out Qualified Remodeler Magazine uh, on their website. You can sign up to get their newsletter, which uh, will keep you informed of, of these webinars uh, when they come available. So... Did I say enough? Can I take a nap now? <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad deal. Um, I do want to share, we are doing our challenge words. Yep, um, yep. So both Ethan and I, and also our guest, uh, have a extra special word, an extra special word given to them by one of the others um, that they are challenged to work into the conversation here today. So listen for those. And at the end, we'll tell you what our words were and whether we were successful, we're always successful. We're, yeah, we're winners. On pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, so today, what we really want to look at is the importance um, and the how of improving efficiencies for contractors. And so we want to dig into what disruptive and new technologies uh, are available to help efficiencies and also what benefits contractors can enjoy by, you know, living into these efficiencies. And so to that end, our guest today is Aaron Henderson of Stack Construction Technologies. Aaron, welcome to Construction Disruption. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to a good conversation. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to jump right in. Um, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about you too, but can you give us an overview to start uh, of what Stack does? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Stack, we're obviously Stack Construction Technologies. Um, we've been around for about 10 years. Uh, and our really core business where we really started was with uh, takeoff and estimating. So the whole pre-construction phase of a construction project. Um, more recently, actually, in the last couple of years, we've acquired a couple of products that have taken us into the actual execution of projects as well. So actually managing projects out in the field. So we're really working toward kind of this end-to-end -end solution where a contractor can start with their estimate, getting to a budget, um, and then be able to push all that information that they're gathering during pre-construction out to the field um, to be able to manage projects more efficiently. So um, kind of that, that holistic sort of solution for a contractor. What brought you to Stack? I mean, what, what's your background and how did you end up where you are today? Kind of unique, probably, I guess, to, to a lot of people in the industry. So I actually came out of uh, college with a construction management degree and a business management degree um, and really never, never realized that the two would, would actually cross over. Um, I definitely realized kind of through that process, I'm, I'm more of a business guy probably than I am uh, a construction guy, but became really, really passionate about construction through that. And I uh, was really fortunate um, after school, I uh, was connected with one of the few consulting firms that actually focus on the trades. And so I spent the better part of a decade working on um, strategic consulting and operational efficiency for contractors across the country. So I worked with architects, engineers, contractors, 
from you know five ten person shops clear up to you know a lot of the ENR you know, top ten uh, contractors across the country. It's kind of interesting too. I, a lot of the same issues that I saw with some of the small contractors are the exact same ones that we saw with the largest. Um, but uh, really, really passionate kind of about that back end business side of construction. Um, and so uh, you know through that whole thing, realized that technology is a place that we could bring a lot of efficiency. And so about five years ago. Um, was introduced to a, a technology company and uh, came over to the technology side. And then more recently here with Stack, I'm just trying to see how we can leverage technology to, to help contractors. So uh, be as efficient as we can and, and, and be successful. So do you find that, you know, oftentimes these efficiencies can, or, or I should say lack of efficiencies can, you know, make or break it for contractors on, on projects. Is that kind of, kind of what your experience was, you know, in your previous life as you kind of watched others? For sure. Yeah. I mean, we see, we've got a lot of people that, you know, I hear a lot of, of you know, that's always the way we've done things, you know, here and, and those kinds of things. And so we have a lot of like incredibly brilliant people. And so, and we, we put a lot on their backs. But what we start to realize is when everybody's doing stuff kind of their own way, that can only be so efficient. So as we can kind of start to standardize things and find ways to help scale organizations, um, you know, that's what we're really looking for and trying to trying to figure out how we can replicate kind of the best of the best, you know, time and time again. Yeah. So good, good stuff. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about, you know, who your typical users or customers are at Stack. I mean, what is your typical client, you know, one of the larger firms or smaller? How many total users do you have out there? I'm just kind of curious to that. Yeah, so we've got a, a really good user base, primarily U.S. focused, um, but just ran a report the other day that we've actually got users across about 32 different countries, I guess, internationally wow. as well. So kind of cool, yeah, um, but a really, really heavy focus uh, in the States. We primarily focus on the trade contractor, which is a little unique. Um, there's a lot of software out there that is focused for years on general contractors, um, but we're really focused to the sub-trades. Um, we tend to be what we call trade agnostic, so we work across a lot of different trades. Um, so everything from roofing contractors to you know interiors folks that are doing drywall and uh, painting and those kinds of things. Concrete is a really big trade force as well. Um, and a typical contractor can be everything from a, a small residential, you know, maybe a couple people, um, clear up to we have you know, one of the largest roofing contractors in the entire country um, that's leveraging stack. Um, uh, to to do their projects as well. Very interesting. So, what's involved when someone starts? You, I mean, what 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 is their ramp up time before they've, you know, learned the program and they're able to use it and they've, you know, set it up however it needs to be set up for them? What's that look like? Yeah. So it's um, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the contractors that come to us, uh, we have a lot that are using some kind of a technology already, um, especially like on the takeoff and estimating side. But there's, there's a lot of folks out there that are still kind of doing things by hand. Um, and so they still might be doing things paper and pen and, uh, and those kinds of things. Um, and I had a really interesting case uh, probably about a year ago. We had a big fire protection um, contractor out of uh, the Chicago area. And it, what's really cool is we try to mimic the things that people are used to doing as close as we, you know, kind of by hand as we can in, in the digital world, right? And so it was, it was really cool. What we actually did with this group was 
we had them, uh, one of their best estimators who was used to doing everything by hand. And, and we literally watched his exact workflow of how he laid out the plan and how he went and he drew and he took things off and he, you know, did all of his estimating that way. And then we really, we took that and we, we mimicked that exactly in kind of the digital environment within stack. And it was really cool just to kind of see him light up. I mean, this guy's a pretty seasoned individual who'd been doing it his way, you know, for probably 40 years. I think he was getting pretty close to retirement. And it was, it was really cool to kind of see him light up and see like, hey, when I, when I draw that line with my highlighter to, to take off that line or whatever, um, you know, he was doing the exact same thing. He's just using a mouse and a keyboard instead of uh, the way that he's doing it. So we spend a lot of time with what we call like user experience. And it's just it's understanding how we can make the software as easy to use as we can um, for the people who are out there doing it. I mean, there's you know, a lot of people in construction didn't grow up with computers or like using computers. That's why we got into construction. And so we want to make the experiences as easy as we can. Um, so we do that. And, and, you know, we have a lot of folks that are able to get into stack and, and really start using it day one. I mean, we've got trainers and people that will work, will work with you. Um, but we've even got like kind of a free trial environment where people can log in and, and we have a lot of folks to get in. They're able to, um, you know, start doing some simple takeoffs and estimates, you know, almost right away, which is pretty cool. Wow. That's really cool that you brought that up because I think that's one of the questions we always like to ask when we ask and you can kind of interview people about technologies because we know sometimes people can be hesitant with trying new technologies and stuff. So when it's smooth like that, that makes a big difference. And yeah, I think that's really cool that you guys, you know, try and get it perfect right to how they do it so yeah we as close as we can i mean we're we don't always you know we don't we're not always yeah. perfect but we we try to get as close as we can and, and uh like i said it's it's really cool i mean the young people coming into the industry are really kind of demanding more technologies hmm. we see that a lot too is you know they don't you know, somebody that's 20 30 years old doesn't want to come in and see a software that looks like it was you know made in the 80s yeah. so they're really they're asking for it um and then you know we've got a lot of folks who are, again are a little more seasoned um, and, and just trying to make it as easy for them as well. Um, it's been pretty cool. Very interesting. Well, I, I want to switch and talk a little bit more specifically about um, supply chain. And, and I think supply chain is interesting because it's a phrase that many of us didn't even use before 2020 or 2021. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. purchasing was just kind of a routine thing that happen and didn't require all kinds of hand wringing and gnashing of teeth. Um, mm -hmm. How does Stack help companies with supply chain issues? And do you have any specific success stories you could even share with us? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I think first things first is the uh, exactly what you said, Todd. It's We didn't talk that, you know, as important as procurement is and getting the right materials, the right time and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, as long as I've been around construction, it, it just wasn't a term we talked about. It just generally were there and, and we didn't, uh, you know, have all the, the problems that we're facing with it today. Um, so some of the things that we're doing is, one, it's an area that we focus a lot of time and attention to. Um, as much as we can, can get things right in the pre-construction phase of a project and get the right team lined up and get the right materials lined up, um, we obviously want to try to help to do that. So some of the biggest things that we do at Stack is, number one, um, as you're kind of creating your estimate, you're actually getting your bill of materials. So you can actually see every single sheet of sheetrock or, you know, square of, of, of roofing, everything that you've got that you're going to use for that project. Um, and then from there, we try to make it as easy as we can to get that out to, you know, your suppliers and vendors. 
um, to start to get quotes back, you know, as, as fast and efficient as we can. But some of the biggest stuff is we're actually able to collect some of that data and start to see um, sort of our backlog of, of projects that we have upcoming. Um, and it really gives our contractors the ability to start to say, hey, look, this is this is the, the volume of project that we see kind of coming our way. And it does a couple things. One, it helps them to start to procure the material as early as they can. Um, but two, it also kind of gives them an opportunity to start to negotiate a little bit more, maybe sometimes with suppliers when they say, hey, we've got you know not just this one project that we want pricing for, but we've got maybe these 10, 15, 20 projects. Um, or if it's a larger contract, maybe across multiple regions, you know, they, they have some additional kind of bargaining power that way, too. So um, I think just trying to forecast as much as we can of what's coming. Um, and when, and then being able to try to start to procure material um, as, as early as we can in that process uh, is, is where we're really trying to help folks. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I know that, you know, we as a manufacturer, uh, one of the things that we found ourselves doing a lot during the height of the supply chain issues, and, you know, fortunately, we're not we're not having huge issues with it today, but um, I know some some segments still are. But one of the things we started doing was asking our customers, hey, you know, if you got a project coming up, tell us as soon as you sign that contract, you know, what you need and, you know, when it might be. And it, it wasn't horribly unusual for them to do that previously, but typically it was just like, yeah, I've got a job this color, about this many squares. And, you know, then suddenly we're asking him, look, I need to know how many pieces of starter, how many hip gaps, how many ridge gaps, how many pieces of valley. And, you know, the funny thing is um, many of them, and, and some of them did do it with the help of technology, but uh, many of them are still doing that. And I think ultimately it's making them a more streamlined more efficient company um, because of that practice, even though maybe in our case, they wouldn't have to still be doing it that way. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's another thing that we do, especially on the pre-construction side is, is as you're kind of doing your takeoff um, stack, not only will get you your quantity of whatever material measuring, but we have what we call assemblies that are built in as well. And assemblies will pull all the different materials or, um, you know, if you're measuring a ridge, it's going to tell you everything that you need along with it. And I think the other thing that that does is sometimes we, there's there's parts and pieces of a project we may kind of forget until it's too late or until we're yeah. actually out there on site. And so it's another one of those things where it's telling us, hey, you know, don't forget to, to include this in your estimate and in your bid. Um, and just making sure that you're getting all that early. Um, the other thing, too, I think is a really big opportunity for the industry as a whole. And, and some of where we're headed and things that we're looking at a little bit are because we are a cloud-based product and there's a lot of different interconnectivity that we can have between uh, builders and supplier contractors and suppliers and manufacturers is the more we can kind of start to connect these things early so that, like you said, Todd, the minute you know that, hey, we've actually secured that contract, you know, and if you can start to see that maybe across different regions and things like that, it probably helps you guys as a manufacturer. And I, you know, we see a lot happening maybe in the southeast and we need to make sure that we get material to that area. Um, so I think the more connected we can be between the contractors, the suppliers and the manufacturers, um, I think there's a really big efficiency to, to, to be had there that that's happening across a lot of other industries, maybe a little bit faster than what's happening in construction right now. Um, but I definitely see us kind of moving in that direction, which is which is a good thing. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. So how about the, you know, big topic all the time in construction is the, the labor shortage. Um, how does Stack help companies, you know, find their way through the, the skilled labor shortage? 
Yeah, I think just try, trying to leverage technology as much as we can to get as much done with the limited resources that we have, right? So, um, you know, if we can give, um, if we can give that average contractor, you know, just some extra, you know, almost be like that administrative person kind of behind the scenes for them, that just lets us do a little bit more, maybe with a little bit less. So um, we're definitely, you know, trying to help make everybody as, as efficient as we possibly can. Um, the other side of it too is, is um, we're really trying to leverage technology to show people who, you know, especially young folks who may be early in their career decisions, uh, trying to decide where to go is, you know, a lot of times we have kind of a, a different view of construction, but when you start to look at technology and the office jobs and the different positions that there actually are in construction, are really trying to encourage more people to come into the construction industry as well. Um, and I think as, as, as we can be more innovative and we can start to find, um, you know, different offer opportunities, I think it, it just makes construction maybe more appealing to, to more people, which is a good thing too. Well, I really like that and, and really hadn't even thought about that, but you're absolutely right. The more we can uh, make our industry something that younger folks say, Hey, there may be a place for me in that. Yeah. That's that's what we really need, no doubt about it. Well, one of the, one of the funniest things I, I think is, you know, I, I've I've talked to people about this all the time, but is you know, it's it's funny as as kids we grow up, you know, playing with Tonka trucks and, and toys, and we're, everybody's wearing contractor uniforms as a kid. Somewhere along the way, it, it maybe loses its luster, and uh, uh, you know, it's just something that we got to keep people interested in. It's it's a cool industry, it's a fun industry, um, and just kind of keep people excited about it. So yeah. A couple episodes ago, we had uh, Jared Ribble on. He's with National Roofing Contractors Association and talked a lot about this whole topic. But, you know, one of the things that they're doing over there is the development of a, the pro certification program just to kind of raise, you know, the status of people who enter these trades. Um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things I, I love what you're doing, because anytime I can enter a trade and also get trained in technology and some software program and be able to have that carry with me throughout my career, that's a real plus. So it's, it's yeah. good stuff. You bet. It's really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a lot that we're doing. I mean, it's, you know, safety and all these different things. And I think uh, we really need to give um, contractors the credit that they deserve. I think sometimes those certifications and those types of things are things that, that can be pretty beneficial. So. Yeah. I love it because, you know, well, one of the things we talked about with Jared was, you know, I think roofing in particular, people think is just kind of a putrid career, something they, they don't want to enter. But yet, you know, how can we elevate that? And uh, as Jared kept saying, yeah, you go out and stand in the rain and tell me that <laughs> roofing isn't important. <laughs> uh, that was a good point. Yeah. Well taken. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, how about... um you know, some of the things we've seen the last few years uh, with price fluctuations, how can uh, Stack help companies deal with that? You know, fluctuations that may occur both ways for a while. It seemed like everything was going up. You know, now a few things are coming down. Most things are staying pretty stable. But Yeah, it's uh, definitely, I know um, it, it does feel like it's leveling off maybe a little bit, but uh, but still more fluctuation than we, we've you know, are historically used to. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, I, mean, I think for us, some of the biggest stuff is just making sure again, that we're, that we're getting the right materials for the job uh, early on um, that we're getting those, that we're getting uh, those, you know, that we're negotiating early with our suppliers. Um, 
And then hopefully we're, we're getting some decent terms on those as well. I know there were points kind of through some of those fluctuations where uh, suppliers maybe were only guaranteeing pricing for, you know, uh, days and weeks when we were used to, you know, months. So, uh, so you know, if is making sure that we're getting the right quote early on and, uh, and then hopefully negotiating well and have some good relationships with our suppliers and manufacturers. Well, are there any other areas of technology that you see impacting construction in coming years? I mean, things coming down the pike or maybe key things that contractors, subcontractors, the trade should be watching for and paying attention to in regards to technology? Yeah, I mean, I think there's um, you know, there, there's a lot around just kind of the standard operational type things, a lot of what we're doing, you know, at Stack and a lot of the other softwares and things that are out there from project management, estimating those kinds of things, of course. But, um, you know, I think you can't hardly talk today about technology and construction or or anywhere without talking about AI and some of the things that are happening yep, with AI. Yep, yep. Um, so, you know, some some really, really cool opportunities with, with it, I think. Um, you know, I, I've heard multiple people ask me, you know, is, is AI going to replace me and, you know, these different things. I like to tell everybody, I mean, it's interesting where it might go. I think AI to me today is, is, is a tool, right? It's just something, it's like a calculator maybe, you know, uh, you know, back in the day is AI is this tool. And, and I don't think AI is necessarily replacing any of us today. I think people who are willing to leverage AI might replace us if we're not yeah. willing to. So I just think yeah. we have to look at it as a tool. Um, there's some really, really cool stuff happening with it, though. I mean, you know, and and the other thing I like to think is that if AI can do some of the more repetitive things, um, it frees me up to do the things that I can, you know, really focus my time and attention to that maybe have a bigger impact than, than just simple data entry and some of that. So I see AI, um, I think some of the things that are happening with prefabrication are, are really cool. It feels like there's a really big opportunity with prefab. Um, so some cool stuff there. Um, I think the cloud in general, just everybody kind of moving to the cloud, especially post COVID, uh, teams are moving a little bit more remote and things like that. So just cloud collaboration, um, being able to work with people maybe across different areas and things, um, has, has been a really big deal. We still, especially on the pre-construction side, see, uh, a decent amount of on-prem software, which when I think on-prem software, like loading something with a CD or something like it just sounds kind of archaic when i'm used to my netflix and, and google and amazon and stuff but uh we still in the trades we still see it a good bit so you know i think wow. we are quickly especially post-covid starting to see a lot of that move you know be more cloud-based collaborative and those kinds of things too so um yeah there's a, a ton of really cool stuff uh some stuff with like drones and and those kinds of things for uh you know especially in roofing i'm sure you know you guys are seeing it yeah but for sure. uh, doing aerial images and and uh being able to get estimates and quotes from aerial images and that kind of thing um, we're seeing people use drones for safety and inspections and a lot of different stuff there as well so yeah it's, it's a fun time and i feel like we've been maybe a little slower than some industries to adopt technology but but i feel like we're really starting to ramp up um, so it's, it's a cool time to be in construction tech Absolutely. You know, I hadn't really thought about that before, but, you know, all of a sudden pandemic hit and, you know, all of us were forced to to learn Zoom and, and different platforms like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do think that there was a fear that somehow that hurt communication or hurt collaboration, but I think you're spot on. I think it helps collaboration because it has allowed us and opened our worlds up to now where we can work with people very naturally who are states away or even countries away and and so lots of exciting stuff happening out there i agree 
It, it really is. And I, you know, it's, it's, I think the thing I've been seeing most um, just about kind of the remote work and that kind of thing is there's a lot of people calling it maybe like this failed experiment or these different things. And I think, I think we're still learning. Like, I think we're still really early in, in this space and in this idea. And I think, you know, Stack's a great example. I mean, we have a really strong concentration of folks at our headquarters in Cincinnati, but we've got some of the best talent in the world that's out there in some of our remote offices and remote individuals. So, you know, just finding sometimes the diamond in the rough, finding those people that, that we maybe wouldn't have found otherwise, or some of the some of the best talent that, you know, may not even be close to one of our offices that we're able to, to leverage. Um, we see it a lot in estimating where, you know, we maybe have a really strong estimating group in this region of the country um, who's able to, to help out and train and work with people in different areas and things like that. So, um, you know, I think I think I think it's it's something that's maturing. I think we're learning to manage better remote. Um, you know, I think people will talk about maybe some lost creativity and, and some of the loss of the osmosis that happens in, in an office. But I think as we learn to leverage technologies more, we might be able to find ways to actually get more creative and, and be able to do better knowledge transport for um, remotely. So I'm kind of excited to see where that all goes. Well, good stuff. You certainly paint a picture that's very forward thinking and optimistic and, and exciting. I agree with you. So um any advice you have out there for our listeners who maybe are newer to careers in design or construction? Um, you know, what are some ways you would recommend or practices you recommend for them that would really help to ensure their success in, you know, this really hugely vibrant industry we're a part of? You know, I think some of the some of the biggest stuff I see right now, and, and I've really started hearing some great conversation around this, but there's this idea of kind of um embracing change. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've, again, I kind of started with, you know, we hear a lot in construction of like, uh, that's the way we've always done things around here and that old school kind of way of thinking. And I think some of that may be, may come from kind of, we tend to be a male centric kind of male dominated industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think as, as guys, a lot of times failure is kind of this thing that we like, we don't want to fail. We're kind of like raised to, to not fail and to be strong and all these things. And I think there's this element of learning that um, that failure is kind of part of the process. And in any time that you're changing and evolving, there's going to be an element of failure. And I think there's this idea of, of learning to try to fail fast, fail forward, move quickly. But I think for, for people coming up in the industry, some of the strongest construction leaders that I see right now, um, they're willing to try new things. They're willing to kind of go outside the box. And I think I think some of the people maybe that aren't willing to be uh, a little bit more innovative um, will start to fall behind faster and faster. So I would just encourage everybody just to be looking for new opportunities. It doesn't mean you have to jump on every single one, but at least just be, you know, open-minded to it. Um, and, uh, and just kind of have more of a growth mindset as opposed to kind of that, that old static mindset maybe that we've always had. So Love it. Very good. Yeah, and some great advice. Well, this has been great, Aaron. Thank you so much. Um, we really are close to wrapping up what we call the business end of things. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you want to be sure to include or share with our audience? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I guess maybe just kind of riding on that uh, that change component. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a really big advocate for uh, for technology and what it can do for companies. Um, so if there's anything I can do for the listeners out there or anything we can be doing, um, we're here. Happy to kind of look at, at where things are at and see if there's any way we can help. So if people are looking for advice or, or need anything at all, um, happy to help any way that we can. 
Well, that's great. I'm going to ask you for it again, but why don't you go ahead and give us yeah. your your contact information? Yeah, you bet. Um, so anybody's more than welcome to reach out to me. So our website is uh, stackct, like constructiontechnology.com. Uh, my email is ahenderson at stackct.com. Um, and please feel comfortable reaching out, emailing anytime. I'm happy to help however I can. Great. Well, before we do close out, I have to ask you if you'd like to participate in something we call rapid fire. So these are seven questions. Uh, some may be a little serious. Some are a little silly. Um, all you have to do is give a quick answer to each, whatever comes to mind, or a long answer. We don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you feeling up to the challenge of rapid fire today, Aaron? I, I, let's, let's go, Tom. Let's nice. do it. I'm in. Cool. <laughs> Well, we will uh, alternate. You want to ask the first question, Ethan? Yeah, I could start. Um, question one. So what's a product that you've purchased recently that's been kind of a disruptor for you of kind of like a where has this been all my life kind of thing? Do you have something like that? Yeah, this is kind of I, – I don't know if this is like totally like revolutionary, but this this is the thing, the new thing that I'm like really into. Mm -hmm. So I've always been a gas-powered tool person. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I've oh. – I've recently gotten really on board and not to give props to any one brand, but I've really gotten on board with the DeWalt, like all the yard tools that are electric, mm -hmm. battery fire. And I got to say, I've been absolutely blown away by how far they've come as, as a guy who was like always mixing gas and doing all that stuff. Uh, really, really impressed by these, uh, by the battery powered tools. So that, that'll be my game changer, I guess, for me at least. That's interesting because I remember when I first became a homeowner, I was buying some of those um, electric battery battery powered things, mm -hmm. and man, they just didn't last well at all. Um, and so that was always frustrating with them. But yet, uh -huh. I didn't like lugging around the gas powered and having to mix gas and oil yeah. and all that stuff. I was yeah. I gotta tell you the. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, it reminded me, my stepdad recently just got like an electric riding mower, which is kind of crazy to me wow. to think about, but. It's yeah, the yeah. same vein. I don't know. It runs great. It's su super quick, you know, does great. But I would have never thought, you know, that would have been <laughs> what we would have done. Yeah, but. I mean, back in the day, it, it seemed like it was battery power, but it was kind of throwaway. And it's, right. I think the first thing I got was was the, the electric blower. And then now I've got a garage full of, of uh, battery powered stuff. So it's kind of cool. Good stuff. Well, question number two, this is a little more serious even than that. What would you ultimately like to be remembered for? Yeah, I, I think, I guess, uh, kind of maybe the Steve Jobs thing of just sort of making a dent. But uh, I think, you know, just for me, um, you know, it's kind of unique that I got into the construction trades the way that I did. And uh, for me, it's it's just hopefully having an impact on the industry. Um, I would love to think that, that, you know, after me, you know, maybe, maybe construction is a little bit better just because of something I did or, or one of the companies I worked with uh, did. So uh, I think just having an impact. No doubt you are and will continue to. That's good. Good stuff. All righty. Question three. Would you rather have the ability to see 10 minutes into the future or 10 years into the future? Oh, that's concerning. Um, wow. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, it starts to make me think of all the AI conversation, all the crazy stuff that's going on. <laughs> It's kind of fun. I I, I want to go ten years, man. Like I yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm a strategy guy, so the further out I can see, I can mm. kind of maybe back into what I do in the next ten minutes or or uh, uh, next little bit if I can see a little further out. I'm gonna go ten years. Yeah, I like it. Okay, I like that answer. 
Then the, we asked someone else that, and they said 10 minutes, didn't they, Ethan? Am I right on I that? think they did, yeah. Yeah, which kind of surprised me, because I, I would definitely be the bigger picture 10 years, but yet when they explained their reasoning for 10 minutes, it kind of made sense to me, too. I could kind of see it. Like, you're just always, like, one step ahead, right? Yeah. Like, well, I, can, do, I can see that, maybe. You do really well with the lottery, I guess, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking kind of the Back to the Future, Todd, where you, like, goes and gets the sports almanac from the future. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> That's what I'm doing with the 10 years. So Yeah. Gotcha. There you go. Okay, next question. I think it's my turn. What is your favorite meal? And I'm kind of, I'm a, a little basic that way. Uh, I'm, a, I'm like a steak and potatoes guy. So uh, whether it's a good steak restaurant or it's uh, just off the grill here, steak and potatoes can't beat it. Cool. All righty. Do you have a bucket list vacation? You know, I, one of the big ones uh, I've always wanted to do is uh, I've done I've been able to do a decent amount of international travel, but uh, Greece has always been up there. I think the mm-hmm. whole you know the Greek islands and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. that's always been yeah yeah very good yeah. Next to last question: If you were a professional wrestler, what would be your walkout song? Oh man, I'm sorry. Uh, oh geez. I think Man, I don't know that question a while back. Yeah, I found that one somewhere, and I was like, "That's a cool question." I like that, that. is a tough one, man. It I is. Mean, I'm gonna go with like something like it's gonna be something like really tough if you're a wrestler, right? Like, so I, I, I can't think of anything specific. I'll say it's like some some Eminem like that, you know, yeah, okay. like some really tough kind of kind of gangster type deal. Makes sense. All right, last question: Are you blessed with any hidden talents? So I've got some odd. This is a this is a little embarrassing to share, but I've got I've got some odd circus level talents. So hmm. I am a I, I'm a really good juggler. I can I can actually juggle really really well. So that's, that's very cool. I don't yeah. share that with a lot of people, but that's, <laughs> now I've got I've got the whole every all the listeners now know all about. Yeah, they got you now. <laughs> that that is admirable. Cool stuff. I like that. I don't know about that though. <laughs> ah, this has been great. Well, and I'm also so we have to look at our challenge words. I think we were all successful. Yeah. Yeah. Um Ethan, you got yours in there, right? The last Oh, minute. I did. <laughs> that was word, incredible. Uh, yeah, my word was blessed, so I snuck it in right there at the end. Yeah. The, the right funny there. thing is, I came this close to flipping those last two questions and asking Ooh, that one. That would have been, yeah, I would have had to get creative then. <laughs> and I don't know why. I just was like, oh, I think I want to switch questions. Yeah. Well, partly because the wrestling question was your question. I felt bad asking it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, gosh. Aaron, your word was uh, diamond, which you worked yeah, well, in. Diamond. Diamond in the rough. I didn't nice. even notice yeah. that you did it so well um, until. <laughs> oh yes, he did. Yeah. And the word that I had, which Aaron gave me, was putrid. So I got that putrid in there yeah. somehow. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Putrid's good. I was. I was tough. You did a nice job though. Archer, right in. Yeah. Well, this has been a great episode. I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed it. Um, so one more time, uh, for folks who want to get in touch with you or to learn more about Stack Construction Technologies, how can they best do that? Yeah, Aaron Henderson, uh, A. Henderson at stackct.com. Um, and here, however, I can help. And just stackct.com. Sounds good. That's it. Well, this, is, this has been great, Aaron. Thank you very much. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. 
Absolutely. And I want to thank our audience for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with special guest Aaron Henderson of Stack Construction Technologies. Um, Again, look for his contact information also in the show notes. And we encourage you, please watch for future episodes of our show. Um, We're always blessed with great guests just like Aaron. Don't forget to leave a review, please, on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. We appreciate those. Until the next time we're together, though, keep on challenging, um, keep on disrupting, Uh, doing all you can to make things better and to find better ways of doing things. And don't forget to have a positive impact on everyone you encounter. Uh, Make them smile, encourage them, powerful, um, yet pretty simple things that we can all do. Um, So God bless and take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption. This podcast is produced by Isaiah Industries manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building products.